This is the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates radio program. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. Glad you decided to listen in today. Hey, it is September, so I have for you a September special report. This is available for this month only. The report is titled, Can You Profit from the Recently Passed Inflation Reduction Act? And when you do request this report, you'll also get some bonus information on my revenue sourcing planning process. If you are a new listener, the revenue sourcing planning process is designed to help you manage your assets successfully in today's difficult economy. So when you request the report for September, can you profit from the recently passed Inflation Reduction Act? You'll also get some information on the revenue sourcing planning process. To get your report and the bonus information, all you need to do is visit requestyourreport.com. The website, again, is requestyourreport.com. Joining me on today's program in segments two and three is Dr. Charles Nenner. Many of you recognize Dr. Nenner as a cycles analyst. Uh, He is a returning guest. He was on the program about four months ago. In the second and third segments of today's program, I'm going to get Dr. Nenner's forecast for stocks, inflation, interest rate, bonds, and commodities. I had a terrific conversation with him this past week. So I've shared with you on the program over the past few weeks that it is my view that the worldwide economy is transitioning not only into a recession, but a deeper recession. Now, I believe there are a lot of signs that point to this. And one of the best signs, I think, to take a look at, one of the best things to observe is consumer behavior. The Epic Times reported this past week, and I'm quoting, the average credit card debt held by households in the United States surged by 13% in the second quarter, the largest increase in such debt since 1999. That's according to an August 30 report from the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. So here we have the Federal Reserve Bank of New York reporting that credit card debt held by households in the United States is increasing at a rate not seen in 23 years. Now, why do you think that is? Do you think it could be that consumers are increasingly relying on credit cards to pay their bills? I think that's exactly what it's telling us because we have now inflation at the highest rate that we've had in 40 years. Now, when you look at credit card balances, the Epic Times also reported in the same article that credit card balances increased by $46 billion from last year. That made credit card debt the second biggest source of overall debt last quarter. And at the same time as consumers are relying more on credit cards, to meet their living expenses, as interest rates go up, interest rates paid on credit card debt are also rising, and the current credit card interest rate is now at a record high of 17.96%. That's according to bank rate. So let's just say that current interest rate on average on credit cards, you might just as well be 18%. Now, when you look at total American household debt, This is, again, according to the same Epic Times article. 
Total American household debt rose by $312 billion from the second quarter of 2021, and it now stands at $16.15 trillion at the end of June 2022. Now, that's up from a year ago. Not surprisingly, it's up because mortgage rates are up, car loan interest rates are up, and credit card balances are up. Now, the Fed, as you all know, is raising interest rates to attempt to fight inflation. Now, I have told you in the past that it's my strong view that taking a look at how inflation was ultimately subdued back in 1980, in the early 1980s, inflation was tamed because then Fed President Paul Volcker decided to increase interest rates to nearly 20%, creating real positive interest rates. In order to get inflation under control, we have to have real positive interest rates, which means interest rates have to be higher than the inflation rate. And we do not have that situation presently. As I mentioned, in the next two segments, I'll be chatting with Dr. Charles Nenner, and Dr. Nenner tells me that it's his forecast that we are going to have higher interest rates and high inflation for quite a long time. You'll be shocked at how long he says we will have it. Now, when you take a look at household debt, we're not talking corporate debt. We're talking purely household debt. This does not include government debt. This is purely household debt. Household debt is about $2 trillion higher than at the end of 2019. So in the last two and a half years, household debt has risen by about 15% if I do a little bit of of back-of-the-napkin math. So debt levels are already at historic highs. And despite that, household debt continues to increase and interest rates are going up. This does not seem like rational behavior. Why would consumers collectively take on more debt when they already have more debt than they've ever had in the past? And there's only really one answer. They're looking to keep pace with inflation. They're using credit card accounts increasingly to attempt to keep their liquidity options open in what is a and becoming a very challenging economic environment. Now, Schiff Gold reported this last week. According to, again, Fed data, Americans opened 233 million new credit card accounts in the second quarter of this year. So the second quarter of this year would be April to June, and the population of the United States is 320, 330 million, somewhere in there. And those 320, 330 million Americans, many of which are children, who cannot open a credit card account. But of the total population of the United States, there were 233 million new credit card accounts opened in a three-month time frame. That's mind-blowing when you think about it. And incidentally, that was the largest number of new accounts opened in a single quarter since 2008, which was the time of the Great Recession or the Great Financial Crisis, depending on which term you wish to use to describe that time frame. 
Schiff Gold reports that aggregate limits on credit card accounts increased by $100 billion in the second quarter now stand at $4.22 trillion. That's more than 20%, call it between 20 and 25% of U.S. GDP that consumers can put on credit cards. That is simply huge, and that is simply bad economic news moving ahead. Our economy here in the United States is dependent more than 70% on consumer spending. Inflation is suffocating the purchasing power of many Americans, and higher debt levels and higher debt service costs will further constrain consumer spending. So as interest rates go up, minimum credit card payments go up. And with the annual percentage rate, as we just talked about, up near 18%, what we're finding is the average consumer not only is paying more for, for gas, for groceries, but also on their credit card debt. Now, when you look at the restaurant industry, the restaurant industry also offers a pretty interesting snapshot of changing consumer behavior. Traditional full-service restaurants are seeing business decline, while fast food restaurants are seeing an increase in business. Zero Hedge reported that Fast food restaurant sales grew by 14.4% year-over-year in the last quarter, again, the second quarter, while full-service restaurants found their business was down 9.2%. Fast food sales up 14.4%. Other restaurants, full-service restaurants, the business down 9.2%. So when you think about the number of sales that are being taken away from full-service restaurants and being added to fast-food restaurants, it tells you that consumers are feeling the pinch. Also, the number of Americans behind on their utility bills is staggering. Fox News reported The National Energy Assistance Directors Association reported that 20 million U.S. families are behind on their utility bills. The average delinquent bill went from $403 to $792 because we see energy prices rising. As I record this, I just dropped my electric bill for the month of September in the mail, and the usage from a year ago was almost identical, but my bill was up more than 16%. Inflation is squeezing consumers, and this is data that will feed on itself. So when you take a look at consumer behavior, it's my view that recession is here. Now, the Congress passed an act called the Inflation Reduction Act in my September report is titled, Can You Profit from the Recently Passed Inflation Reduction Act? I'd like to invite you to get a copy, as well as some revenue sourcing planning information. To get all this information for free and with no further obligation, visit the website requestyourreport.com, requestyourreport.com, and I'll be glad to send it all out to you. I'll be back after these words with Dr. Charles Nenner. Welcome back to RLA Radio. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. 
Joining me on today's program once again is returning guest, Dr. Charles Nenner. Uh, Dr. Nenner's website is charlesnenner.com. He is a uh, terrific market analyst. Uh, I always get terrific feedback when he is on the program. And uh, Dr. Nenner, welcome back. Thank you. After this introduction, I'm uh, I'm interested myself, and I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start, uh, Dr. Nenner, with a bit about your background. We've got a lot of new listeners, so uh, I think your your background and uh, and and you know professionally what you've done and how it led to what you do now is uh, just fascinating. Yeah. So uh, first of all, I'm a medical doctor, and I did research on occurring situations uh, in psychiatry when people become psychotic, for instance. And we wanted to know if it happens all over the world at the same time, which it did, and if there was a strict period, so every so many years, every so many months, and that was also true. And then I saw programs, CNBC, about financial markets, and didn't make too much sense. I said, let me take a look into it, because maybe also in the financial markets, uh, things are predictable, and in the mid-80s, I started developing, developing a neural network, one of the first ones that predicts when things happen and how they happen, which means is uh, if there's a stock, uh, IBM, you want to buy, then we can calculate uh, when the low is and what the price of the low is and when the day of the high is and when the price of the high is. Now, this is... If you don't believe that things move at random, because if you move if you move at random, there's nothing to predict. You don't know, you know, every day is a new day. Uh, so I've been doing this, and then I have been uh, doing all the market timing for Goldman Sachs for many years, first in London and then to New York. And then uh, when the prop trading was made difficult by Obama because he thought you have to crash in 2007-8, it was being too difficult. Then I started my own firm, and my own firm does forecasting in things like uh, European markets, equity markets, U.S. markets, uh, crude oil, NAS, natural gas, uh, what do we have, that? all the currencies, the yen, Australian dollar, British pound, Bitcoin is a big part of it. Everybody wants to know Bitcoin. And by the way, the cryptocurrencies are the easiest thing because they're not interrupted by any fundamental news. Uh, so cycles work perfectly because there's nothing else to uh, to look into. And that's what I've been doing. And uh, on this market, we had a, a big cycle top uh, last year. So we have been totally out of the market. Um, and we have been already one and a half year out of the bond market. It was very hard to convince people they were out of the bond market because there had been a bull market for maybe 40 years. And people didn't realize that also bonds could go down and, in, and interest could go up. So uh, there's a lot going on at the moment, and uh, we try to stay on top. Well, I, for one, uh, do follow Dr. Nenner's research, and he has a uh, terrific uh, track record. So uh, that said, uh, Charles, can you tell me a bit about what your forecast is for U.S. stock market indices moving ahead? Yes. So a lot of people don't know really history of financial markets. So we're getting closer to uh, a tradable low. Uh, in the October period, and I am telling people this is normal in the bear market. You get a lot of bounces of 15, 16, 17%, but it doesn't mean the bear market is over. So the, if you don't know how to trade, don't get lured into it because it's going lower. 
And we're going to have a, a low in the bond market finally in a couple of weeks. And finally, we're going to have an interesting low that they're waiting for in gold and silver. So there's a lot, a lot to do uh, in October, November period. Well, Dr. Nano, when you look at what's happened so far this year, I mean, you, the, the metals are down, stock market, uh, the stock market's down, uh, you know, bonds are down. Uh, historically speaking, those those asset classes don't always tend to be correlated as closely as they've been this year. Uh, what, what's behind that in your view? Well, as I always say, I'm not, you know, I'm a medical doctor. I taught myself fundamentals. But uh, people at Goldman Sachs were always better in fundamentals, and I was better at market timing. And I concentrate on what happens and when it happens. To give you an example, uh, most people know about the black swan theory, uh, the right the road that is going to be a crisis, but we don't know exactly uh, what's going to create a crisis. And for years I said, you know, let's not concentrate on why the crisis happened. Let's just concentrate on when the crisis happens. And later, you know, we tell our children why it happens. So I'm only concentrating on what happens. And I don't even know if the correlations that they make are correct or not. I don't uh, know what they say about inflation because uh, we have the cycle inflation going up. I don't want to worry you for the next 30 years. And one time it is going to be crude oil, and one time it's going to be uh, Ukraine, and one time it's going to be Biden, and one time it's going to be something else. That's the same thing as a market that goes up, a stock market. One time it's this, it's this excuse, and then it's that excuse. And I just found, I just found from '94 something that I kept. And if if you want to let me read it, then it explains what I think about fundamental analysis. You have a second? Yeah, it for yeah, a please, please, please. I think the listeners would love to okay. hear that. Okay, there's a guy sitting reading the newspapers, and that is from Barron's. And it says an increase in attendant rates by the Federal Reserve Board today sent the stock market down. But then the hope that this would lead to unsustainable, uh, what is it, growth, economic growth, moved the market back up until the realization that higher interest rates could still recovery and it moved down again before it ultimately rose on expectations that the sluggish economy would Cause the Federal Reserve Board to lower interest rates. So that's 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 the nonsense that people write during the day. There's five, six different interpretations, and the interesting thing is based on the cycle, which are psychological cycles. You can predict what the interpretation is. Let me give you one last example. Let's say you and I buy IBM at 100, and IBM goes to 150, and IBM comes out with a great number. And so people buy IBM and the Wall Street Journal will say, well, you know, people pour it into IBM because they're doing great. And what if the cycles are down? Then IBM is to go down. So the same number comes out, the same quarterly result is great. And now IBM goes down. And what does the Wall Street Journal write? People took profit because they don't think IBM can do better next year. So this is important to know that the fact is not so important. The interpretation of the fact is more important. So if people say, how do you know what's going to happen? Most of the time we don't know, but we know what the interpretation is of what's going to happen. So, Charles, before we get off the topic of stocks, uh, do you have an ultimate forecast for for stocks? Uh, Do do you see the bear market continuing a lot lower? Yes, a lot lower. I think we can go at least to 50,000 Jones. I think we're in for a very bad situation. Uh, 
Uh, I don't want to be too negative, but it goes gets close to the 30s. Uh, everything lines up the social unrest and the uh, coming of a, of a major war and uh, uh, all kinds of reasons why it looks like the 30s. And I think it's uh, people not ready for for a major uh, situation for now. A lot of money is, is 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 left on the table by people who did not sell the bonds. <clears throat> Still, people who didn't sell the stocks. People are trying to buy every bounce in both without knowing any market timing, and uh, they're in very bad shape. So you made a comment uh, earlier in this segment that I'd like to get you to expand on, please. You you said something about inflation continuing, and I thought you said for another two or three years. Is that your forecast? No, no, no. I said interest rates are going high in inflation for the next 30 years. 30 years? Yes, I sent all my clients before it started. There's a 30, uh, 30, 35-year cycle of inflation interest rates. And as you know, in the mid-80s, inflation came down and the cycle was down and people didn't understand why is the inflation continuing to be low. So once they got used to it, the cycle bottomed and now it's shooting up again. And it's just having a a small pullback, but inflation is going to be high for a long time, and interest rates are going to be higher. For, I mean, talk long term. For a long term period, it's going to back where it was in the 80s, like 16, 17, 18 percent uh, interest rates. So when you say inflation is going to be high for a long time, and you're talking decades, does inflation yeah. continue at these levels, or do you see a hyperinflationary situation emerging? Well, it goes with the cycles. Right now, it's going to be, you will see, it's going to be a little bit uh, stable, a bit lower for the next couple of months. And then next year is going to pick up again. And, uh, you know, things goes in, goes in waves. But if you look backwards, uh, if we're 20 years older from now, then you see that inflation was just going up and up and up. Well, I'm chatting today with Dr. Charles Nenner. The website is charlesnenner.com. I would encourage you to check it out. And, uh Dr. Nenner, you also offer uh, any listener uh, 30 days of your service for free. Would you like to do a brief commercial here as we reach the end of this segment? Should I do a commercial? I don't like to do commercial, but I can tell you one thing. You can check our track records. We're up 160% this year. And just just investing, not trading options or whatever, so not uh, hedge, uh, you know, hedging, whatever. Uh, so... Being up 160% is, is pretty good when everybody's losing a lot of money, and we always have very good years. And I, I don't really like to do it. I like to people just to look uh, at my research because it's a theory that I want to bring out in the world. Uh, that's more important to me because we can get a much better world if people understand how this work function really instead of listening to so-called pundits who have an interpretation why things move the way they move. Well, my guest today again is Dr. Charles Nenner. The website is charlesnenner.com. I'll continue my conversation with Dr. Nenner when RLA Radio returns. Stay with us. I'm Dennis Tuberg, and you are listening to RLA Radio. My guest on today's program is Dr. Charles Nenner. He is the founder of the Charles Nenner Research Center. You can learn more about his work at charlesnenner.com. And uh, Dr. Nenner, as uh, we kind of come into the second segment for... uh, those listeners who are maybe just joining us, you have forecast that stocks are going to go a lot lower and we're going to have inflation for a long time. We're going to also have rising interest rates for a long time. 
Um, you know, looking at this from a fundamental perspective, there's a lot of talk about the Fed pivoting. In other words, the Fed reversing course because of a weakening economy. Sounds like uh, your cycle research would disagree with that assessment. Well, like I said, we're having a tradable low in a couple of weeks, which is definitely going to uh, cover the shorts and go long. But that just is a tradable low in the long term. Uh, like I said, for the next 30 years, the cycle is up. And once you start, I'm sitting in Amsterdam, and they, already, uh, they start here, uh, the government saying, well, have to have the people give them extra bonuses, and when they have to extra bonuses, that makes more inflation. So once they start demanding higher salaries and whatever, then inflation just, uh, you know, is... It's systematic. You can't stop it anymore. Uh, so in a couple of weeks, we're going to see some lower interest rates. Uh, why? Well, maybe maybe uh, recession fears or maybe it's going to be a war that people are going to run into the, the U.S. bonds. We don't know. Like I said, I don't deal with why. But longer term, you know, we're going to see much higher interest rates than much higher inflation. So... When you take a look at, and we and we look at inflation, one of the sectors that's really been adversely affected by inflation for uh, a number of reasons is the energy sector. Um, what What's your forecast for, for, for oil, natural gas, and so on in light of everything going on uh, worldwide? Well, we have a downside target on crude oil. It's now 85 and a half. We went short at, I think, 116, 117. The target is 84. Uh, it's going to be kind of stable. Uh, a lot is going to happen uh, in the beginning of next year. As you know, or maybe don't know, I also have war cycles. They predict when wars come out, so they predicted this war. And that's kind of stable, but uh, the second half of next year is going to be an explosive situation in the war situation. So we have to take it in consideration. And the longer term, you know, the crude is going much higher. Do you have the same forecast for natural gas? Yes, I for things that natural gas is, is up for the next couple of years even. I think for until 2026. So, Dr. Nenner, let's uh, talk a little bit about precious metals because, again, looking at things from a fundamental perspective, we have uh, the highest inflation we've had in 40 years. That inflation is affecting people worldwide. And yet metals don't seem to be reacting, at least from a fundamental perspective, the way a lot of people would expect them to. Uh, what, what's your forecast? And let, let's start with gold, if we could, please. I also find it amazing that uh, they're not reacting, but the cycle is down into uh, the 30th of November. So we're not going to have a rally from the, before the 30th of November. We still have a downside target of 1646. We can reach that on, on the December gold, and the bull market should continue uh, later uh, in this year. So, do you have an upside target for gold? Yeah, I have a target of two and a half thousand uh, all the time. And and do you see that by, by next year sometime? That's hard to say. Here, the cycles are also up for many years. So, what I write is, if we get through two and a half thousand, we can go much higher. But the long term cycle is up until two thousand twenty seven. We just have to wait uh, until the uh, the cycles bottom, and that will take uh, until late November, and then the whole thing starts going up. And uh, talk now, if you would please, about silver. Is that going to be correlated with gold, and how will silver perform relative to gold? Well, silver has the same cycle. Uh, it's a good question. How is it going to perform? I'm not sure. 
Uh, I have to look at the gold-silver ratio, and since we're not long anyway, uh, we're short in silver and gold, so I didn't look at it yet because I can almost not keep up with everything that's going. As you know, we also do the grains, we do lumber, there's so much going on. Uh, so I don't, I, I don't really know what the gold-silver uh, ratio is going to do. But usually, uh, people are getting very tired of trying to hit a bottom in gold and silver. And once the bottom is there, it's usually the insiders who buy. And then only halfway, the small investors come and they move silver up faster than gold. So I think the first move is going to be in gold for a while, and then silver will follow, and then outperform gold. Well, Dr. Nanner, let's just... Uh examine a bit uh, your forecast for uh, the grains, uh, corn, soybeans, wheat. You also mentioned lumber. Uh, in keeping with your forecast that inflation will be here long term, are you bullish on uh, all those commodities as well? Yes, yes. We're bullish. Uh, uh, soon the cycles are turning up again, and then the bull market will continue. And then don't forget uh, also live cattle didn't do much, but if the uh, the grains and the food for cattle goes up, then with the, with the lag period, also live cattle goes up very strongly. So we're not out of the woods yet. So let's talk about how currencies perform. Um, again, if you're if you're uh, forecasting a bull market in commodities, gold and silver, that would seem to mean that uh, you know you're maybe bearish on the dollar and euro. And can can you explore that a bit for the listeners? Yeah, for a long time we're bullish and we continue to be bullish on the dollar and we have an upside price target on the dollar index of 113. Um, when we speak now, it's about 109 and a half. So the cycle is still up. So at 113, probably going to take profits and then probably they're going to be a low in the in the euro and some weakness in the dollar. This this the whole situation in the United States. Uh, reminds uh, of the other empires that went under. And I don't think the dollar is going to have the same role anymore in the next 10 years. I think uh, other currencies will take over. The same happened, uh, as you might not know, because it happened in 1600, with the Dutch guilders. And then it happened with the British pound. And this is also going to happen with the dollar when, 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 the, when the big uh, big expansion in in, in the in an economy uh, is is over, then you have to see what what is the next currency that's going to be the major currency that everybody trusts. So, do you see a currency other than the dollar now, and and which one may be emerging as a reserve currency alternative? Well, I hear that China, together with the uh, the BRIC countries, is, uh, is preparing something. Uh, I only hear it from my clients. I haven't seen anything. Um, so I think some, something is cooking, something is coming up. Uh, it's really, nobody knows anymore what to think of the United States. Uh, things go down so fast, so soon they're not going to trust the dollar anymore. And of course, if the dollar goes down, then, you know, inflation is going to take another hike up and we're in for a very bad situation. So that that would certainly when you when you mentioned the war cycle too, uh, Charles, it just seems to me that uh, as economic turmoil intensifies, that historically speaking, often we see uh, the war drums start beating. So that would that would fit in line with uh, your your war cycle as well. 
Yeah, because uh, years ago I already explained that, uh, I think, I don't know which, I think Fox or so, I said, listen, these war cycles are coming up. And I think we're going to have a major, major problem with Iran because uh, uh, we're already in a crisis when 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 uh, North Korea is going to threaten to do something. And uh, But North Koreans are not afraid to die, but Iranians don't mind taking the whole world with them. And I don't know how this is going to end. I know it's going to end. It's not going to end very well uh, because nobody's paying attention to what's going on. And, uh, you know, I, I'm politically neutral. Uh, I'm, I'm a Dutch citizen. I'm from Amsterdam. But I have no clue who's in charge in the United States. Uh, I see the president just reading from a piece of paper. And I don't know who writes the piece of paper. So we're a bit worried you know, in, in Europe who's, who's actually in charge of the biggest, uh, you know, military uh, uh, power in the world. So let's uh, finish this segment by talking about uh, U.S. government bonds. Uh, certainly, uh, U.S. government bonds have had a, a pretty tough year, and it sounds like you see that continuing. Longer term, like again, again, and probably if people now sign up for 30 days, they will be in time to uh, for us to see when the bottom is and then we'll have a nice bounce. But like I said, there's a 30-year uh, cycle and the cycle just started to go up. So for the next 30 years, you can expect much higher interest rates. So what does that do to uh, this 31 trillion dollars in official debt that the United States is is carrying? Doesn't that put the uh, Federal Reserve in a position that they're going to have to create more currency just to to try to keep this thing afloat? Well, you know, if they continue to put more currency, nobody trusts the dollar anymore. It's 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 like it did the maximum since Greenspan was there. I think uh, they knew what was coming, and every Fed president says, "Not in my lifetime." I just try to, uh, you know, to to postpone, to postpone, to postpone. Uh, at a certain moment, there's nothing more you can do. Uh, usually, what happens in this in this situation is that if you have a country that's doing very well. Uh, people get a bit lazy and uh, they want everything for free. So now you have to print money. Now you have to take away loans for the students. You have to give uh, extra checks. You have to do, I don't know what you do. So you have to come up with the money, but you, you don't earn that money anymore. So in the end, it's going to collapse. And that's what's going to happen. The whole thing is going to collapse. And I'm very worried that I don't hear any other voices that say exactly, uh, you know, what can happen. It's like people are afraid to say the truth these days. That's not going to end well. So this whole economy is going to collapse. You cannot keep printing money and having such a, a big deficit uh, when the GDP is going to be negative. I don't know what they're thinking, what they're doing. Again, it sounds like a political or not. I'm just a Dutch citizen who looks at the facts. But I don't hear two sides of the table. I only hear one side saying everything is going to be okay, and all the experts that want to say something are being, uh, you know, put away uh, behind doors and say, okay, I'm not going to say anything anymore. Now, if the same thing, and now I put up my neck, is about global warming, because the cycles in global warming, I have cycles of last 800 years. So the global warming almost comes to an end, and uh, but nobody wants to hear that. So I don't want to get in trouble not saying it, but they will be surprised because the cycle was up and up and up and it's stopping. And soon, you know, we're going to have global cooling, which is interesting for my clients who, uh, who have farms and they deal in grains and, and cattle because they prepare themselves for global cooling. 
like you can't say that because it's not acceptable. So a lot of things we know, but we're not allowed to say it, and that's the end of a society usually. Well, we're going to have to leave it there. Uh, my guest today has been Dr. Charles Nenner. His website is charlesnenner.com. You can go check out his service for free for 30 days. And uh, Dr. Nenner, thank you for joining us on today's program. Love to have you back down the road. Okay. We'll keep in touch. All right. We will return after these words. I'm Dennis Tubergen. You are listening to the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates radio program. And thanks again to my special guest this week, Dr. Charles Nenner, for joining me on the program. Hey, in case you're just tuning in, I'd like to invite you to get a copy of my free September special report titled, Can You Profit from the Recently Passed Inflation Reduction Act? When you request the report, you'll also get bonus information on the revenue sourcing planning process. The revenue sourcing planning process has been designed to help you manage your assets successfully in today's environment. So to get the report, as well as the revenue sourcing planning process information, all for free and all without any further obligation, visit the website requestyourreport.com. The website, again, is requestyourreport.com. Now, back in 2014, uh, I wrote a book called New Retirement Rules, and in the book, I talked about the fact that the currency creation course on which the Fed embarked in 2011 was likely going to be a very dangerous course of action to follow because when studying history and studying this currency money cycle that I believe exists, you find that when currency creation starts, it's a slippery slope and it often often ends typically in recession or depression. Well, here we are now eight years later and we are now seeing firsthand that currency creation and easy money policies do cause boom and bust cycles. So in this segment, I want to very briefly cover with you a little bit of U.S. history and prove to you that these boom and bust cycles do exist. After the War of 1812, for example, the government was deeply in debt and the politicians of the day were grappling with how to deal with the massive levels of debt that existed because of the just-completed war. Now, in the early 1800s, just like today, there are only three ways for politicians to deal with deficits and accumulated debt. Way number one, they can raise taxes. Method number two, they can cut spending. Or method number three, they can create currency. Now, history teaches us that whenever the deficits or the debt gets large enough, the collective group of politicians and central bankers almost always opt for creating currency. See, creating currency leads to the illusion of prosperity for a while, but eventually and predictably, the bust comes. Currency creation leads to a prosperity illusion It leads to a temporary boom, but it always culminates with a bust. Now, after the War of 1812, the U.S. dollar was still somewhat backed by gold, as it was after the next two instances, historically, of currency creation. To finish that story, once the currency creation started after the War of 1812 and a boom ensued, 
It all fell apart as the Panic of 1837 set in and banks failed and the country entered a deflationary time frame. The same thing happened in the 1860s when President Lincoln was deliberating as to how to fund the Civil War. Well, the politicians of the day passed a law to back the U.S. dollar with gold and silver, but now also U.S. government debt. Paper bills called greenbacks were printed, and the new law said that anyone selling anything had to accept the paper bills just like gold and silver or face punishment. Well, predictably, this currency creation led to another prosperity illusion boom. However, after the stock market boomed and real estate boomed, it all came crashing down with the Long Depression of 1873. In 1913, the Federal Reserve, the current central bank of the United States, was founded. And the Federal Reserve is not a government entity or agency, contrary to what some of you may be believing. It is actually a private group of bankers. Now, at the time of the founding of the Federal Reserve, the backing of the U.S. dollar by gold was back from 100% to 40%. Now, if you're a math person... You can quickly calculate that by reducing the backing of the U.S. dollar by gold from 100% down to 40%, the currency supply expanded by 250%. Well, predictably, the prosperity illusion boom materialized. We call that now the Roaring Twenties. But then the Great Depression set in. Now, in all those time frames, the U.S. dollar had some link to gold, but that all ended in 1971. And since 1971, we've had a series of boom and bust cycles with each boom and each bust getting bigger and the bust continually getting worse. We are now, in my view, starting another bust that will likely be bigger than any bust that we have seen at any point, historically speaking. So if you'd like to protect yourself, if you'd like to get some ideas to potentially protect yourself, I'd like to invite you to get my September information package, which contains information on the revenue sourcing planning process. If you're just tuning in, the revenue sourcing planning process is designed to help you manage your assets successfully in today's economy. You'll also get the September special report. This is available this month only. The report is titled, Can You Profit from the Recently Passed Inflation Reduction Act? So you'll get that report. You'll also get the revenue sourcing planning process information. It all comes to you for free. You'll get a big box of stuff in the mail. All you need to do is visit the website, requestyourreport.com, and let me know where to send all your information. Again, the website, requestyourreport.com. And if you're not taking advantage of the free resources available at retirementlifestyleadvocates.com, I'd encourage you to do that. You can listen to the podcast version of the radio program there. You can also get my weekly Portfolio Watch newsletter for free that includes market commentary and economic commentary. And you also get access to my weekly headline roundup newscast that occurs every Monday live at noon, but we record it. We post it there. Uh, I'll go through a lot of the headlines that you may have missed every week. And that is all, again, available at retirementlifestyleadvocates.com. That's my program for this week. I hope you got something you can use. I'll be back again next week.